0: you Happy Monday and thanks for coming back for another week of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of uh, probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com.
1: And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum.
0: And we're still back there with uh, uh, little little Jimmy Lovell's uh, mom, Blanche uh explaining to her uh, granddaughter susan that uh, uh the famous another great famous line la- this is not quite as famous as a uh, failure is not an option but if uh, <laughs> if they could get a washing machine to fly my jimmy could land it which is a uh, you know you want your mom to think that the best of you but that's r- <laughs> <laughs> she has an interesting way of looking at her son and uh i, I you know it's, it's funny that uh based on that uh i mean she didn't have to worry about uh about her son jimmy doing it but we know that uh, fred hayes managed to land something that that pretty much landed like a washing machine
1: yeah that's very uh, true
0: <laughs> yeah that uh i, I i've flown a, a simulator version of of the shuttle and it really does drop like a brick you, 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 you have very little control you kind of aim in the general direction of where you want it to land but but it's more like falling than landing
1: so one of my uh, one of my guilty pleasure uh movies is space cowboys and oh, okay uh it just is i know that it can be far-fetched <laughs> and you know it's just one of those ones i enjoy though and uh i always liked tommy lee jones describing the shuttle landing um and you know when they basically tell him that you know it's like a flying brick and you know his reaction when he lands it in the sim and he does his maneuver and it comes out okay and he's like flying brick and uh so I uh uh I actually got on a podcast uh, Charlie Precord to uh basically use the frying flying brick uh uh description uh with a nod to that movie and I was totally geeked out about that.
0: <laughs> the I uh, well, well, I I think Charlie you know, Charlie said that uh, another uh, a rough one is uh, uh land- no wait no it wasn't, it wasn't Charlie now I'm trying to think of which astronaut said this um but he was talking about landing in a in a soyuz capsule and huh. he said it's like being thrown off, it's it's like being locked in a washing machine and thrown off the back of a truck <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's driving down the highway <laughs> were
1: you i the astronaut descriptions always kill me i mean um you know when we asked frank about a saturn 5 and he was like oh it was an old man's car you know yeah i'm like what <laughs> you know, uh, the uh the other one though is uh when i we Sat down, talked with Joe Engel, and I asked Joe what it was like to land the shuttle because he flew it from space. Yeah, uh, by hand, the only person to ever do that. And uh, <laughs> Joe said, once you slowed it down through Mach six, sixteen, it was uh, a big pussycat. cat. <laughs> and uh, you know, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, holy cow, Mach sixteen! Like I can't even. I, I can't even imagine what that's like to look at, you know. And yeah, he's like, well, yeah. Well, you're so high out, you know, and, and he kind of, you know, calmed down the phrase, but still, I'll never forget him saying that. Just well, once not you slow it down through Mach 16? It's a big pussy cat. <laughs> yeah, and he was
0: he was already you know working the pedals at uh, Mach 25, so uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite a thing. there Yeah, it's it, and I just remember it was Mike Mullane who who had said getting thrown off a. Uh, Oh, no, it wasn't. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It wasn't Mike Mullane. Now I, it's gonna. I'll, I'll by the end of the show, I'll remember who it was that that told me that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, apparently in terms of bad landing, Soyuz beats them all. Of <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're uh, yeah, but uh, Blanche obviously every, everybody's mom uh, <laughs> thinks the best of them, and uh, that's that was Jimmy's big skill was being able to to land anything. Um, I've only I've only landed. In real life, only about four different kinds of equipment. I landed a Cessna 150, a 172, a 182RG, um, and then in a simula in an a, a and Sutherland simulator at British Aerospace, I landed a British Aerospace 146 four engine. But but that was okay because was kind of, even if I messed up, it would have been fine. But those are the in terms of feeling what it was really like. Those I've landed three three real planes and and one almost real plane.
1: I've made some uh, landings in the old Piper that uh, I know, could probably be shuttle landings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we made, uh, especially training when we were early on training, and uh, some of my landings I think were maybe carrier landings or something Ooh. like that.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the
1: airplane was always able to be used the next day, and we could always open the door. So.
0: Yeah, you, you didn't lose the deposit. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have a. I have a friend who shall go nameless. Um, but I know he may be listening and uh, he uh, had another friend who was a, a CFI and he just did his, he did his check ride in a, in a 182 and said, come on, we we'll, we've got the plane for an hour. I'll go give you a couple of laps around the pattern. I said, sure. And right after uh, our CFI friend got out and had given him the check ride, he put me in the plane. This was in uh, Leesburg, Virginia. He put me in the plane. We get into the, in, into the, uh, into the pattern and he's coming in and he started messing with his eyeglasses and he says, "I really can't get used to these bifocals." And we kind of almost prang into the into the runway. So he just did. He just did like this bounce of about another ten feet. <laughs> he landed again. He goes, "Let me try that again. I know I can do this right the next time." And he p- took off and we went around the pattern. And he landed it right. And my CFI friend said, "I can't believe I just signed him off." <laughs> oh my god, so, that was a that was a rough a rough go. Um, but those are uh, mem- memorable landings. Is about the only thing I can bring, <laughs> to, bring to this conversation <laughs> at the moment. Um, what's the What's the biggest plane you've ever flown?
1: Uh, biggest airplane I ever flown. Uh, probably the B seventeen. Oh yeah, that, um, <laughs> yeah that, that that would count. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that'd probably be the biggest thing I ever flew. Um, and that was um, that was back when, the uh, see back before you could actually buy. Uh, when you bought a ride, you actually got to fly the airplane a little bit. Wow! It was actually back before I worked for EAA. Um, it was, uh, as a matter of fact, the airplane was, is called Fuddy Duddy. It's the B seventeen I flew, um, and that w- at that time, when you bought a ride, you got to go all through the airplane, and then you got a few minutes actually at the uh, pilot seat. Holy <laughs> smokes! Um, the yeah, the the biggest airplanes I ever flew as as pilot and command have all been you know general aviation, single yeah. engine stuff. So. Uh, and I got some time in helicopters and oh, yeah. Yeah, totally that... different ball of wax there. But
0: uh, yeah, that's, that's a different yeah. world. But, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't yeah, get the no, flight, but
1: I got the ride in the Goodyear blimp, or I'm sorry, not the Goodyear blimp. It was the, um,
0: was it Fuji or
1: no, uh, MetLife. MetLife. I okay. Have, yeah. I got to go for a ride in Snoopy too.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: But that's um, it. That's, uh, yeah. Most of my yeah. stuff has been pretty, uh, luck laster or, uh, you know, Piper Cherokees and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, my uh, my first my very first ride in any kind of an aircraft when I was uh, seven years old. I was no six years old. I was in a uh, it was a, uh, a Vestral a, a double yeah you know, double rotor helicopter, and I flew from Newark Airport to the top of the Pan Am building, and uh, oh that wow, was, how cool is that? Yeah, and like I thought, oh, this is this is what all you know. <laughs> All flights are like, it's like you get on a helicopter and you fly to the top of a building in downtown Manhattan and then you fly to LaGuardia and then you fly to uh, Kennedy. And that was that was my first uh, ride. We were just going on a, we we're going to go on a flight, a Pan Am flight to uh, Bermuda. And uh, so my first flight was in a helicopter and landing on a building and, uh, you know, <laughs> too young to realize that's not the typical way of doing stuff. No.
1: And that's, man, that's too cool. Yeah,
0: um, but a lot of a lot of fun um, and a good good memory. Gosh, yeah, that was back, back when the Earth was cooling. Um, <laughs> and
1: the, was the moon still whole at this point?
0: Yeah, the moon was whole. It was it was, <laughs> it, was it was something. We only had. Uh, uh, let me see. There was, it was sixty. Oh, no, we didn't have. It was. Um, yeah, they haven't even they haven't hadn't even been to the moon. It was nineteen sixty seven. So that would have been before um, before uh, Apollo eight. And before Apollo Seven, actually. That's so. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel old. Okay. Gonna, uh, Did you get uh, out, out of the
1: plane and just be like, "These nuts are stale"?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a lot of fun. New York Airways, uh, and they're wow. still with us, I think. The, yeah. New York Airways. Is it. Yeah, still they out. used
1: to fly like they actually had some like. Uh, oh. Basically civilian versions of, like, Sea Knights and Chinooks and stuff like that, even back in the day. Yeah, this, uh, this was is a... interesting a, helicopters.
0: Uh, Vect- Vectrel, is that the right word? I can't, yeah, yeah. I can't remember so, it's the like name a, of it.
1: Yeah. yeah, it looks kind of like a Piasecki a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, neat. Yeah. Uh, that's neat.
0: Yeah, these, that, it was regular commuter flights. My, the thing was, we could have, at the time, we were living in New Jersey, and we could have just driven to Kennedy Airport. But my dad wanted to go on a helicopter, and so... Okay, we'll go take a helicopter. Dad, <laughs> so, I don't blame him. That was a good decision. Yeah, no, he yeah, you know, God bless Dad for coming up with that idea. <laughs> uh but it was a lot of fun. Um so anyway, so we're leaving uh we're leaving Blanche and uh, the level girls and uh we're going back up into space and uh we're seeing uh the poor cassette player with uh I guess they didn't buy the ever ready <laughs> alkaline batteries. <laughs> Um, and it's it's floating around, and of course this one, Blue Moon, being played, which is you know act, apt but uh, inaccurate. And this is the one if you go to IMDb, all the trivia I, I think it's repeated about eight times is that this is recorded by the Mavericks, which is a, a band out of Miami, uh, singing Blue Moon, but they didn't record it until 1995. So this is asynchronous or non-contemporary with the uh, with the, with the movie. But you know, it's just a movie. It's fine. <laughs> And uh, it's probably easier to license for. I'm sure Universal had a deal, <laughs> deal with the Mavericks. So it's like, here we'll we'll put your your song if you don't mind us playing it at you know one sixteenth the right speed. And on uh, the
1: soundtrack, you get the regular version.
0: Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. You get You're, the regular version. I have the soundtrack of the film.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, you are a uh, a diehard fan. That's good. I am.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a
0: good soundtrack. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Blue Moon is a great song. I love that song. Oh yeah. Um, it's uh, so and we're looking around. Everything is soaking wet. Everything is bad, and it's so wet that duct tape doesn't even work. And uh, and that was a real thing that the uh, the tape that they had on there was not waterproof, and it it really lost adhesion. So there was stuff that they had taped down was floating. The, the cabin was a mess. Um, if you read Lost Moon, uh, Jim Lovell describes uh, trying to keep everything in order while uh, you know while they're floating around. Everything everything was soggy, loose, or frozen. So it's uh, you know we. Again, we're back with uh, Jennifer's. Uh, I'm sure she would want that in the in her collection. <laughs> another urine collection sample uh, floating around. And uh, at the time that that they are here, this is about uh, almost a day away from la- from landing. Uh, the temperature ha- had fallen from about 55 degrees to 38 degrees Fahrenheit. So they were, I mean, this is like sitting in your refrigerator for a day, and wow. and there's nothing. There's really nothing they could do. They considered wearing uh, a suit, but then you wind up, you, it doesn't, there's no place to expel the moisture, so you just get wet and cold or wet and hot. And uh, there was really nothing they could go- do to stay warm other than sit on top of the equipment. I and mean, that's where uh, where we see uh, Kevin Bacon in this. Uh, Jack Swigert is sitting up near where the uh, kind of all the power couplings are uh, up near the top of the, the docking collar. And so he's just soaking up, <laughs> soaking up a little, uh, in, in my family, there's a, there was a, a, a British show that was very similar to, uh, uh, Sniglets on uh, HBO with, uh, Rich Hall. They, they had these made up words and, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a thing in, um, in Britain where they have, they have made up words and one of the words that had, and they're named after British towns. And there's a, there's a word called shrewberiness and the, the definition of shruberiness is the warmth on a bus seat that was left behind by the person who sat in it before you <laughs> <laughs> and uh i uh, we have in my family we have used the phrase shruberiness an uncomfortable amount of time <laughs> <instead> <laughs> yeah of... <laughs> i never me. knew there was a word for that yeah there's shru- there's there's way too much shruberiness on this pillow it's <laughs> just that kind of that kind of stuff um but yeah he was basically using the uh the the computer's shuberiness (laughs) to keep himself warm. Um, It's, it's, it's from, uh, uh, Douglas Adams had, had been uh, one of the contributors for it. It was the meaning, the meaning of life, L Y F, which is (laughs) a town in Scotland. So, or um, I'm sorry, in, in Wales. And, uh, yeah, shuberiness is a, is a great word to, uh, uh, to use just, just when you need it. (laughs) I'll have to Um, remember that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, so, uh, they're still watching everything bouncing around and uh gosh it's uh uh yeah. and then of course uh Jack finally gets the payoff the good news from uh, uh from the IRS that uh, President Nixon has uh, pardoned him, give, granted him a pardon and that he uh, he won't have to worry about uh, paying any kind of uh, income tax uh penalties because he gets a, an automatic extension because for being off the planet
1: so that is actually true that happened Uh, Jack forgot to file his income taxes, and, um, you know, it was funny, I think, uh, I want to say it was in the Jim Level interview I did, uh, that Jim told me that story, that, uh, you know, we were training, 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 we go up and we, you know, we launch, and then we're like partway through the mission, and he's like, I just realized I forgot to file my income taxes, (laughs) so... And he goes, uh, "That was a very real thing. We figured we better radio and let somebody know that uh, it happened, and uh, and then eventually they did <laughs> give him an extension." But uh, yeah, Jack,
0: Jack wasn't going to Alcatraz when they pulled him out of the capsule. Yet, <laughs> yeah, <hi>. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with a re- you know excuse, with a reason. I, yeah, I, I mean, it, this is a and, and it's weird that this is now getting to be a common thing that with we we have all these long duration uh, space station uh, you know deployments where they can't. They can't come home, they can't do things. Trying to get the day-to-day stuff done and remembering to get all the power of attorneys signed before you get, get in the capsule to go up, um, it's it's difficult. And, you know, there's issues like you have, of course, uh, you have things like family illnesses and uh, and deaths and things. And when do you break the news to people? There was um, uh, an incident about, uh, gosh, about toward the beginning of uh, the, the space station where uh, one of the astronauts... Uh, parents died during, during the mission oh, and they, they had to figure out when they were going to tell him that, you know, that this had gone on. They did it on a private channel and explained to him what, what had happened. But, you know, all these things yeah, on, on long duration flights, you have to think about that. And it, it gets to be, you know, a big issue when you can't come back. Uh, yeah. And we're going to, we're going to face that on things like Mars missions where you've got to, you can't turn around. You're, you're going. Um, yeah. One of my, uh, one of my classes that I had in uh, in discussing space exploration was uh, the me- some of the medical issues when you're far away from Earth. What uh, you know, you can't exactly do some, you know, unless you have a surgeon on board who has that particular procedure down pat. You can't exactly do something in space uh, unless you unless you know how. Yeah. So uh, they talk about things like proactively, like as a as a prophylactic, proactively removing your appendix or your thyroid or you know any other thing that may get infected or cancerous take it out of your body and then replace it with pills or you know it just because it's a good idea to get rid of it. and you know you think now that's crazy but then if you consider that you're going to be gone for three years what do you need to get done on your body so that you can survive without a doctor for three years it's uh fascinating fascinating issues that i mean they're interesting issues to have but um you know, it's all these little things that need to get addressed when you're when you're talking about long distance space op- operations.
1: Uh, that's uh, anyway. you know, and I, and I this is slightly off topic, but I've got to I've, I've got to mention it just because they just showed it, and and I've probably told this story before. So if you heard it before, bear with me, and if you haven't, then this is all good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but did I, did I ever tell you that the story Gene Kranz told me about you know, the the shot of the control panel with all the condensation on it? Um, and it's in my presentation, so that's why I can't remember if I told it here or not. But, uh, um, he said we had no testing for this. We had no data on when they powered up the system, how this control ser- or how the the control panel would would react to having that much condensation on it. And he said the only data we had was a gentleman was taking the control panel during the construction phase from one hangar to the other. And for whatever reason, he forgot to deliver it. And he left it in his car overnight. It was one of the engineers that was building the thing. And the temperature in the area got down to about 30 degrees overnight. And when he came out the next day, he remembered it was in the back of his station wagon. And uh, there was there had been condensation you know, on this panel. So they took it in and they bench tested it. And it worked. And that was the only data they had that showed that, like, yeah, we sort of tried this out. And it worked here <laughs> under those circumstances. So every time oh. I see that panel and that shot, I always think of that story Gene told me.
0: Well, and and this is another um, side effect of the Apollo one fire. Well, I was, I I'm trying to get uh, someone on the show. Uh, it's difficult because as we're recording this during the, uh, the plague quarantine, uh, I can't really get him a headset. I'd have, to, he's, he's an older gentleman and I need to walk him through on how to, how to, how to plug in with us. But uh, a, a good friend of mine is uh, was a former engineer at NASA. Uh, his name is John Brown, and he worked during Apollo thirteen. And one of the things that he talked about he was uh, he worked on a lot of the command module equipment. And uh, one of the things that he talked about with uh, Apollo one, uh, all of that stuff was open solder plug you know plugboard stuff hanging in the back of the uh, on the back of the control panels. And you know that one of the side effects of that was the arcing that went on in an oxygen environment that killed the crew of Apollo One. They insisted that every gauge, they, they were going to make them originally. They were going to make it modular, so you could just pop everything out and plug it all back in. But every gauge had to be wrapped and sealed. Uh, oh, wow. So so they were they were tight on the back of on the back of every control. It had been like sh- you know sh- that heat sealed. Uh, around the outside of every gauge you couldn't easily pull them out you had to go in and just get a razor blade and cut through and pull these things out they weren't easy to to swap out parts uh, at, but that was to prevent fire but one of the other things that that it also did was prevent moisture so wow. even though it was soaking wet that you know that the apollo one changed it so that they would be able to survive and that because they were all sealed units that uh, really wouldn't be affected by outside uh, moisture um it's uh you know a tra- tragic way to tragic way to find out something but uh, you know yeah. who knew that it would it would help in other ways besides protecting you know i guess fire and rain yeah yeah so anyway well uh interesting minute. i mean not a lot happening other than watching a cassette deck floating <laughs> around in, in there and uh and uh, jack swigert off the hook for a uh, tax evasion um but there's a, a lot more things to come and of course they're they're approaching earth so this, it's going to get more critical as uh as the week or the next week or so goes by Um, But we will talk about that more later on this week. Uh, For folks who want to talk about this more, we're always available on social media. You know the usual locations, the Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control on Facebook or Apollo 13 Minute, Apollo 13 Minute on Twitter. Uh, If you have missed any of our previous episodes, you can get them at any of the popular podcatchers like Google Play or uh, Apple Podcasts or um, I forget them all, Spotify, all of those. Or at the big site, Apollo13Minute, Apollo13Minute.com. Uh, you, all previous uh, 96 episodes are out there. Uh, we'll talk about this some more uh, and see. Gosh, I hope, I hope none, of, none of the other ones have committed federal crimes. We'll find out more about that later this week. Looks like we're coming up on uh, loss we'll of Signal in about 30 seconds. So we'll see you here tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute.